Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Caleb McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. What is going on, everyone out there in the universe, in the stratosphere, in the galaxy? It's Austin Cook, and I'm joined by my co-host, Caleb McElmore, for this episode of the Internet World Order. And you're probably noticing, hey, Austin, it seems like it's been a little while since you uh, since you last dropped an episode for uh, all the fans out here. And you would be right because we didn't have any power or water here in Texas for a little while. And we are all okay. So just want to let you guys know that. And we're really excited to be talking about a new uh, new episode today. We're covering the old wrestling pay-per-view, St. Valentine's Day Massacre 1999. And yes, that is a direct reference to the Al Capone murders back in the 1930s. So fun way to start off yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the most original thing ever where it's the month of February. And we're going to cover the St. Valentine's Day Massacre like Every podcast that covers wrestling has done, but hey, now we can say we've done it too. We're very original. Please subscribe. But <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this pay per view, it became really I wouldn't say popular overall, but it has a a niche spot in a lot of people's hearts. I think almost specifically for one match in particular, the steel cage match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mister McMahon, not Vince McMahon. Mr. McMahon and it's not much of a match it's more of an angle Mm -hmm. but it is so much fun and I can't wait to talk about it there's a lot that leads up to it because this is pretty much centered around the entire idea of this is what we're leading to we're on the road to Wrestlemania but we're also going to have some fun along the way if that's what you want to call it so (laughs) with that in mind I mean there's not really like the backstory behind this is that like it's right after the Royal Rumble and Stone Cold Steve Austin, like I think a lot of people expected Stone Cold Steve Austin to win again. Like he would be a four time Royal Rumble winner at this point if if he had won this match, which in case you don't know, that's unheard of. <laughs> that is a lot of yeah. of winning for that particular match. And it was actually mm-hmm. won by Mr. McMahon because they entered one and two and Mr. P- Mr. McMahon just got beat up until the very end where someone distracted Steve and then he got tossed over the rope and then Mr. McMahon won and everyone was like, this is ridiculous, but it's the attitude era. So it almost kind of works. So (laughs) that's like the story for this, that and like the mankind and uh, the mankind and rock storyline that had been going on since like survivor series where they had that tournament. Yeah. You had a lot of stuff going on. You had like said Austin and McMahon, which, yeah, like, and this is, it wasn't the end of it, but this match that we're going to talk about, but it was at the end of this pay-per-view. This is when Austin could finally get his hands on McMahon in a regular, well, it's still case is not a normal match, but like not in a rumble or in a whatever, like the K and just to really hype it up. Um, Vince even said he will fire any member of the corporation that interferes on the spot which got everyone going, oh, so 
Vince is not going to cheat. Austin's just going to beat the crap out of him. And boy, does he. Yeah. (laughs) You're not wrong. uh, And that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, you had that storyline. Like I said, you have Rock and Mankind, which have been going on for a while. And then you had this like developing storyline. I mean, obviously, I mean, every match, they have some storyline to justify why they're fighting each other. But mm-hmm. the big, the third of the big storylines happening across the, I guess you say company, is you have this big like faction feud between the corporation and uh, the Ministry of Darkness. Both heels, which I, I thought was a very weird, like, I, I don't know. That's just the Attitude Era kind of thing where it's like everything was sort of gray, which is why Stone Cold Steve Austin works so well. And I keep forgetting. I was like, oh, yeah, like it feels like almost like more than half the roster would normally just be bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at a certain point, they just kind of shrugged and went, okay, if this is what the people are into. We'll just give them more of it. And, yeah. you know, it's not the listening to your crowd is the smart thing to do. So it's as what weird they as it might be. To, yeah. It might be weird to look at, look back at now. But hey, I mean, as I was telling Austin before we got on, like, when you listen to the pops in some of these matches, it was clearly working. Yeah. It like you had guys like Al Snow with head, which I, <laughs> I love oh, that no. they officially list that with head. Like it's like his manager. It's just like a mannequin yeah. head doll. So funny. That's the attitude era for you, but well, gold dust was BCW. over. Yeah. I, that, that true. But gold dust was there and he was, I wouldn't say beloved, but he was, emotionally engaged with the crowd. <laughs> oh yeah. And, no, it's one of those like oof. the crowd, he loved the crowd and the crowd didn't know how to feel about him. Right. They they were just confused. Cause like it, it's a very difficult topic to talk about without having its own episode about it. Cause the thing with Goldust is that Goldust is actually pretty brilliant. And there's so many themes about what that character is that like, it kind of deserves its own episode on itself. I don't know if you agree oh, with absolutely. me on that, but no, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Goldust is one of those that like, I'll tell you like, as a, you know, been watching this since a kid, like he went from like, just, I never like hated Goldust. He just always kind of like weirded me out. And then as I got older and I understood like what was happening, mm-hmm. like you're just saying, I came to really, really like his character. Cause I realized like you're saying that this is a surprisingly layered character for wrestling. Right. You would you like you would think he would just be a straight up villain, but like they actually use him in a way that I think is pretty brilliant because it's like it's poking fun of the idea of what wrestling has been or like the idea of like who wrestling fans are while also being able to make fun of kind of everything going on without punching down. And I, I feel like yeah. they handled Gold Dust in a strangely progressive way for a company that is not known for being very PC. Yeah. Well, and I say relatively because there were still some things from the Attitude Era where you're like, huh? Okay. Like when he came out in a ball gag, I was like, wow, they're really pushing it. (laughs) Well, and I found out a lot of those ideas were Dustin's. Right. He came up with this himself. And the reason we're talking about Gold Dust so much is because he's actually the first match on the card. So (laughs) we've already started talking about the pay per view, y'all. The thing with Gold Dust is that his character didn't work as effectively as the eras change. Like he's perfect for the attitude era because he's pushing the envelope, but he's not necessarily a full blown heel or good guy. He's just this layered kind of strange enigma of a character where you don't really need to put a label on what gold dust is. Yeah. He's like a chaotic neutral. 
Very much. That's a great way to put it, except for <laughs> his move called Shattered Dreams where, okay. <laughs> he, Goldust has a move, which, I mean, there are times where I was like, he should have been disqualified for that. And for the most part, they, they pretty much did because it's, it's <laughs> he literally just puts someone up in the tree of woe, like on the ropes and then just runs and punts them in the nuts. Yep. And it's called Shattered Dreams, and that's hilarious. <laughs> that oh, is yeah, that's- the funniest thing <laughs> I could possibly think to call it. And it was probably his idea, too. And Vince probably laughed and cackled when he heard yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, do it. <laughs> oh, gosh. But he basically, like, he was going into this pay-per-view with a feud against Blue Dust, a.k.a. the Blue Meanie. Mm-hmm. And Blue Dust is, ba- like, I mean, what what is there to say? He's... yeah a blue version of gold dust. And he's like imitating him in a non flattering way or like wanting to be like him. And gold dust is like, stop. And that, really that's the good, feud. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, <laughs> uh, I love gold dust, but I love Dustin Rhodes in AEW more, honestly. And right. so it's, it's just a tent. Like that's just a testament to who he is as a wrestler. And just as a character, I, did not really think much of this match because it was kind of treated like it was just a starting match. It's like, Hey, here's some weird stuff to get you kind of primed a little bit. And that like, there's always a place for weird stuff in wrestling. So absolutely. I, I personally feel like this actually kind of fits well into this pay-per-view because it's like the theme of it, like trying to be someone trying to be like admiring and trying to be like someone kind of perfect for the whole Valentine's day theme of St. Valentine's Day Massacre. But again, <laughs> this is WWE at the time. I'm not going to call them their original title uh, just because I don't want to get copyright. I don't want to get, get a DMCA, <laughs> which funny enough, that happened to Metallica. So, <laughs> who th- That's a whole other topic, but I was like, I cannot believe that that happened on Twitch. That's so weird. And, <laughs> but again, we're getting off topic. So they had a match and Gold Dust kicked the tar out of Blue Dust. And hit him with shattered dreams, and and that was the end of it. And that was three minutes. Yep, like I said, it just it, as you alluded to and like explained it, it was just the opening match, kind of get the crowd, like, not like slowly warmed up to, like, kind of like just the cold water in the face of like, okay, we're doing this, and it did its job perfectly. Well, yeah, it was kind of like, hey, get ready, like this is probably going to be the most weird thing that we have on the card. So like everything else that comes after it shouldn't really boggle Surprise your you. mind that much. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is also in the middle of the time when you have undertaker crucifying people. So is gold dust fighting blue dust. that strange. No, 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 <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I, so, okay. We're, we're going to get to that pretty quickly, but this next, like there's not really much more to say about gold dust and blue dust because it, it happened. They were not given much time, which is unfortunate because I feel like it would have been a lot more fun if they had like the ability to just be super weird and like weird each other out. Cause like, yeah, that's the whole point. Like, yeah, they're, they're fine enough wrestlers. They're good wrestlers. And I, I mean, that is an absolute comment compliment. Like they're good, but it, it, like, this is such a perfect opportunity to just be a weird character and to really like kind of push this on the audience. And I felt like three minutes wasn't enough, but you know, it's the right. attitude era. So like wrestling's not always the primary focus. And 
it's just weird because it, it feels like so perfect for that to just be a thing. And then it was like, Oh, that's it. And yeah. then we get Bob Holly versus Al snow with Bob, head. <laughs> Bob, the very scary Holly. Cause that he, man. Yeah. Um, I heard he didn't like rookies. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I also want to think this is the match with him winning. Cause it was for the hardcore title. Yes. He and won. Yeah. And I think this is when he, this is the match that got him nicknamed Hardcore Holly. Because once he won it, they just kind of gave him the the nickname of it, especially because of the alliteration. And honestly, kind of helped boost his career. Yeah. I mean, mean, the biggest thing with Bob Holly is that I think it was probably frustrating for him because he'd been in the business for a while. And, you know, he's a veteran in the locker room. And he never really it just seemed like he was never really given like a character that people could like latch onto. And that was like super, super memorable, which is not a slam on him, but it's just, you know, like when you think of Bob Holly, what do you think of? I think of the hardcore title, especially the 24 seven part. Precisely. So (laughs) that this is like you just said, I feel like this was a big turning point for his career. Oh, absolutely. I mean, good for him, but this match was, it's strange. Weird. It's not a bad match. Okay. And I, I'm not saying it that way. I was just like, huh? Like, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> they, 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 uh, it's very much the, uh, everything in the kitchen sink, quite literally, which it should be for a hardcore match. And the thing is, hardcore matches are not for everyone. So, no. and this is not even like a death match like they have in Japan where they put barbed wire up on the, on the ring ropes. And then like people actually just like cut each other with box cutters for 10 minutes. And the crowd goes bananas. Like that's not, <laughs> which no. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard. I might be wrong. I've heard Vince is very much like, uh, no, we're not doing that. Like, so they already the pushed the envelope you. for like PR nightmares. Oh, yeah. oh, they had mankind on their roster. That was a, potential PR nightmare. And I said, I love you, Mick Foley, but you know what you did. Yeah. This was almost a year (laughs) removed from him nearly getting murdered. at uh, King of the ring, dude. That was, yeah, that was frightening. That was horrible. Oh my God. Yeah. When Vince Lee looked at him and says, thank you. Never do that again. Yeah. He's like, I will literally fire you. (laughs) If you ever (laughs) nearly kill yourself like that again, which the thing is, is like, that whole incident was not exactly McFoley's fault. Like, cause the first one, it should have just stopped there. And oh, then the cage wasn't supposed to break when he got choke slammed through it and his teeth went through his nose. Like yep. th- this is the man we're dealing with. <laughs> like, well, why yeah, would but, you fight this man? <laughs> but yeah, I will get to it. That's part of what made his feud with the rock work really well was that whole I aspect of him. But with this hardcore match, um, it's interesting. Mean, I do give this pay-per-view credit that, well, uh, with every match, they try to do something different. Cause like mm-hmm. with gold does and blue does, they're just being like, you know, weird It was a weird, quick match. Bob Holly and Al snow. Cause they're the only ones that where their match was like going to go all over the place. And boy, did they really go all over the place? Yeah, they did. Including into the Mississippi river, which is not the and prettiest February. body of water. <laughs> yeah. But also in the dead of winter. Right. Yeah, that that too. That's kind of important. <laughs> yeah. And they just literally throw everything at each other. And they're just teeing off on each other. Tables uh, and random items and then throwing each other into the water. And 
Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly how this match ended because, like, I know how it ends because it's goofy. This my memory of this match is like, yeah, they hit each other for a while, which it's a hard again. I, I think I just kind of tuned out, not because of them, but just because I'd seen so much violence that I was like, yeah. okay, I'll, I'll watch this, and then my brain just didn't process it. I, I think okay, that's so, what happened. No, you're not wrong. They were just wailing on each other, and then uh, it ends. It's so goofy. I remember when I watched this. I remember on uh, Netflix they had like uh, a compilation of like hardcore matches, and this was on the compilation. And even years ago, my friends when they watched this with me, they're like, "That's stupid," because what happens is there's this like folded up bit of like chain link fence, and Bob gets Al Snow wrapped into the chain link fence and then pins him, and you can clearly see Al Snow's shoulders up. But the ref counts to three anyway. He just said, screw it. I'm tired. It's cold out here. It's February in Memphis and I want to go home. Or it's February in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> or which and one? No, it's in Memphis. I had it right the it first is. time. Austin. Yeah. I- <laughs> no, no. It was Memphis because yeah, because everyone was just chanting for Jerry Lawler the whole time since that's his territory. That makes sense now. <laughs> he is a Memphis uh, man. I mean, I was going to call him a Memphis boy. And then I was like, wait, Jerry Lawler is... <laughs> Not a youngin anymore, but um, no. I, I, there were some fun spots from this. I like I remember bits and pieces, and like I remember when they're fighting through the garage, and like you know they're getting thrown on tables or like thrown through things, and they're just beating the tar out of each other. I like it's fun. I it, it's relatively mindless, and I think that's by design because it's hardcore that they just yeah. go out there and pretty much just show like, hey, we're number one, we're tough. Number two, like this is how we can compete. Like, this is how far we'll go. And it, it's always a cool, like usage of that. Like, you know, there's a lot of people like, you know, I guess Raven, I think two years later who like really got to take advantage of that at WrestleMania with Kane and all mm-hmm. them and that hardcore match, which went on like throughout Forever. the whole thing, which kind of funny, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, it's it, it fairly inoffensive. And I love when Al Snow would come out. Cause it'd be like, what does everyone want? And they'd be like, Head. Hey. And I was like, wow, we've come a long ways. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. It, it worked though. Cool. It was funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, and yeah, it is funny. And it just, well, I'm always surprised that they brought that over from EC because it's exactly what it did at ECW. But uh, yeah, the hardcore match is like, they obviously couldn't go as crazy as ECW. Obviously, mm-hmm. they ain't going to be lighting stuff on fire and covering people in tax. Mm-hmm. But they're going to get as close as WWE will allow, which is right. fine. Yeah. And it works for, and I love to your point of like, I've always enjoyed when you see how they find improvised weapons and what random stuff they decide to use. Oh, it's so funny. It, that's the best part of all of it because, like, when it, there's a hardcore label on the match, like, you're kind of just expecting like insanity. And it, it usually gets provided, like, unless, like, you know, nowadays it's a little harder because you have to do something a little bit more calculated and organized. You can't just have like a Looney Tunes match. So, yeah, no, literally, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. I'm not making fun of it. I, I just like to clarify, if it, clarify that. So people aren't like, he said, you guys are Looney Tunes. And <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> I sounded like someone from the Sopranos when I said that. But <laughs> hey, Bob Holly, he called you a Looney Tune. No, I didn't. Please don't hurt me. So <laughs> that match. I mean, the beginning of Hardcore Holly, I think, or at least like. I, I don't know when this started, but like it, it's cool for him that he finally kind of became hardcore Holly and like he gets to have that, you know, so it, it serves its purpose. It's fun. It's violent. It gets you kind of primed for everything else. And 
Then we get J E double F J A double R E double T and <laughs> Wait. bless his soul. Owen Hart. We miss you. Uh, this, this, this one was really sad, but mm-hmm. they wrestled D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry, a young Mark Henry. who was very much very green, very green, did not look bad, but he did look very new. And yes. <laughs> you know what I'm going to, you know what I'm trying to get to? Oh, the fact that he's sexual chocolate this time? Sexual the chocolate. I want to say that was his idea because it sounds like he would come up with it himself. I mean, you could you saw the giant smile on his face. He I mean, loved it. it. He yeah, loved it. <laughs> and that was and that was not a force like, you know, you're smiling because you don't want to get fired. Like like you're saying. He was smiling out of the fact that he found it hilarious. Right. I mean, this is just like a year or two removed from when <laughs> They had X-Pac come out in blackface. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, which, again, I guess was, I don't know if it was Mark Henry's idea, but apparently he loved it. And I was like, well, then can you really, like, make complaints? I mean, yes. But. <laughs> yeah, like, you can still be like, don't, you shouldn't have, but. You shouldn't cool. have, but <laughs> I'm not going to criticize you for it having happened because you acknowledge that it's wrong. And, like, you go back to all, like, the D-Generation X, like videos and all that stuff and it's like they try to push like they frame in super close on triple h's face to try to get xbox out of it (laughs) yeah but this whole thing of like this match is i mean honestly the tag team it was a fun tag team match i mean and very much of like where you have three vets trying to help out a young guy in mark henry Mm -hmm. they'll let him go and do big power moves look big and scary because he is big and scary. Yeah. And he's a Silsby, Texas boy. Absolutely. And, uh, and like I said, I have the three and you got, especially Owen Hart, that man could bump for a broom and it would look devastating. So yeah. like yeah, so they, they handled fair. it well. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, just, uh, like I said, they had all, you roll your eyes at it now, but you know, just, how the attitude era was with the way they're using like Deborah and ivory. Yeah, it, it's pretty yeah, bad, but like even like the way that they were used in the name sexual chocolate for Mark are not even the worst things that came out of the attitude era because it, it it's just kind of part of what wrestling was for them at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like how you described it in an earlier episode where like, this is the kind of like rebellious teenage phase and, you very much see it in moments like this. Yeah. It's like the edgy, edgy, I don't know how to curse kind of face. Yeah. Where I do know how to, but my mom said I can't. So I had to find ways around it. Right. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> way to put it. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a fine match and Owen Hart is always good to see. He's, he oh, was amazing, great. man. He was one of the best. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a fairly straightforward match. You know, they have like the melodrama of Deborah and Ivory where it's like they're being used, but they're not being allowed to wrestle. And, you know, this was before women really were trained in wrestling to be, well, you know, wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it just kind of shows because like when they're having their slap fight, I was like, oh, my gosh, like we're so lucky nowadays that we have <laughs> women who like are some of the best parts of many like WWE events or like NXT or Oh, for like, sure. you know, we, we get pretty spoiled with that. But oh, another, another thing before we actually um, I almost forgot, but it uh, it was big boss man versus me. <laughs> and this. So 
Big Boss Man has had a, a strange career. And yep. that, that's not a bad... I'm not here to criticize this man because he put his body on the line. But they had the Kennel from Hell match where the dogs were, like, pooping on the side and they're fighting in a Hell in a Cell and, like, it was it was not good. And he's trying yeah. so hard to make it good. Like, this man has has tried this- really hard and I have a lot of respect for that. But... But Caleb... I know this, this match, dude. Yeah, no. Th- look, look, look. I'll go ahead and help with you. Midian for the Ministry of Darkness was what played the same role Virgil played for the NWO. That yeah. was the person whose job was to go out and lose because obviously you weren't going to have Edge and Christian lose. You weren't going to have mm-hmm. the Acolytes lose. You definitely weren't going to have Undertaker lose. Right. So somebody has to lose from the faction. Right. And, and, and that's not even the it. bad thing. Like, I, you know, I everyone has their role, and I feel like he was doing just fine. Um, like, I, I don't really have any critiques to offer him. Like, obviously, he was a bigger dude, so it's I'm not expecting, like, backflips. And so is Big Boss Man. I think boss, Big Boss Man was, like, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six, oh, very large like that. man. Yeah. Like, the, these dudes are tall, and they're big, and it's hard to be as mobile, and we're just so spoiled with, like, super athletic wrestling nowadays that, like, we forget that sometimes you had big dudes that were just big brawlers. And for me, when I was watching this match, it's perfectly fine. It, there's nothing wrong the, with it. it well, it's the just crowd a match. Didn't think, the crowd didn't think so. They literally started chanting boring. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. But from my point of view, it's perfectly fine. Like, it, it's inoffensive in oh, yeah, the no, best way sure. that, it, like, the, the best thing I can say about it is that it doesn't really do anything wrong but it was like right after a hardcore match. So it's just like you have two dudes that are just having a straight up like wrestling match. And it's kind of hard to follow. Like it's the match that's in between like a really, really good, like semi main event match. And then you're like the relaxation match, like the breather match before the main event. Yeah. And that's kind of a lot. And uh, match cards are put are made with that in mind. And this Mm -hmm. was that because I mean, and I, I do have to point out because it crap it made me laugh. I forgot about that t-shirt that Midian had on. It's like embrace the purity of evil. It just made me laugh. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate the 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 soap opera of all of this. And you know what? Like, even though it wasn't like a good match, you got people out there, they got time to wrestle, they got they're on pay-per-view, they got a match on there. Well, it, it is with what boss it is. Man getting just the tar beaten out of him after he won. Yeah, well, that too. And the thing is, Caleb, I, I feel like you're forgetting this important detail. This was the match before he literally was hung at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's the thing that happened. Is the same year <laughs> where he lost like a 10 minute Hell in a Cell match to Undertaker and then Undertaker literally hung him from gallows. And everyone was like, should we be yeah. worried? Like, <laughs> no, even back then people were just like, uh, what? Yeah. They're like, I don't know how to react because I want to be horrified, but I don't know if this is real. <laughs> I'm like, like it's just so yeah, like, is it's weird. And like, that was what kept me going through this because like, if you just watch this match when you're there at the time, you're like, okay, another match. But knowing what it led to was the part that, just kind of blew my mind because I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot that this was the precursor to his like actual uh, death. 
Like, <laughs> yeah. And I, Which is shame, I, I liked Big Boss Man in the corporation because it just made because of the look. He had the perfect look for being someone that would be the bodyguard for Vince McMahon. Right. Yeah, that's the... I mean, that that's fair. Like, they used him well at this time. He he got plenty of use. I mean, he also did get pinned in three seconds at Survivor Series. So, yeah. the year before yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah. he took it like a champ. So, respect to that. But that match happened, and it kind of just progressed the Ministry of Darkness and Corporation feud a little bit. And then we got... Okay, so these last four matches... Are a roller coaster. Are very strange, because... The Val Venus, LOL, versus Ken Shamrock <laughs> match is surprisingly long for a match that sort of just chugs along. No, no, you're right. Because it had, well, it had a premise that helped justify why these two are fighting each other. But you're kind of like, I'm with you. Like, there was a moment where I was sitting there, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, why is this still going? Shouldn't have someone interfere? I mean, and he also had Billy Gunn as a special guest referee, which yeah. just him coming in doing his intro. I, I love that intro. It's one of my favorites. It's just, I and, can't uh, think of Billy Gunn now without thinking about when he got ripped <laughs> to shreds by the rock. There's, there's nothing that can fix that for me. And it's not even his fault. <laughs> but just the moment I hear the, Oh, you didn't know. Like it just, I like it. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was in New Japan, I think, like a couple years ago, like sometime like 2016 ish, like that yeah, era he, for a little while. He He's still going. And I think that he had to leave WWE because they were drug testing the trainers, which I don't understand that. But he didn't pass the test. And if you looked at what he looked like when he showed up in New Japan, it makes sense. It makes sense because the man was in his 50s. And I, I'm not even going to like knock him for that because like complicated topic but yeah, <laughs> like sure. he no. showed up and then like they didn't really utilize him as much as i thought they would in the match and i was like yeah this should be 10 minutes long. i was like this should be a 10 minute match with just some some silliness and some character work from ken shenrock because val venus already pretty much had his time to shine as like a character i would have liked to have seen more from ken shamrock personally i wouldn't be i mean like i, said, I can't remember exactly but that could have been part of what they were trying to do with Ken. Cause it's like, he has the look, he legit did bare knuckle brawling. So it's kind of like when Kurt Angle came in, it, it's like, you have that resume where you're already a certified, like tough guy just because of your background. Dude, right. get some personality. Like, I know. And it, it's, it's not, it's just hard. It, he's never been much of a talker. I wish he'd had, as we've seen, like, I think you and I talked about like his UFC career where it's like, you could sell a fight cause he was a good fighter, but it helps to have good speaking skills. Uh, speaking skills. Wow, Austin. It helps <laughs> to have good speaking skills. I'm leaving that in. Because if you look at what Conor McGregor has done, like a lot of people might say, oh, he's the best fighter ever. I disagree with you. But he is the best marketing fighter I have ever seen in my life. Oh, and- he can... He can convince you to for any to tune into any fight. He could be fighting his own shadow. He could be fighting an and- apple and I'd watch. Yeah. <laughs> That's how good he is at just selling matches. And Ken Shamrock was more of just a fighter. And it, it was just weird because like this match was like about his sister dating Val Venus and him trying to be like a gold, a good older brother. Like, yeah. But then it shifted where it, because at first you're like, oh, Ken's the good guy. Cause he's just like 
it's an older brother looking out for his sister, which anybody can get behind that. But then the way they were acting is like, oh, is Ken the villain? Because he's because he turned into like from protecting his sister to being like the overbearing brother, being like, no, you do what I say. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just like, what uh, is happening? That's a great question. But <laughs> I think this match, it, it didn't fully work for me on that level. I mean, and that's not, you know, it's it's just a match where it's like, it, I forgot that it was for the Intercontinental Championship, actually. This was Val Venus winning that. But at a certain point, I was like, I feel like this should have ended a little while ago with more like yes. crucial things happening. And because they looked good enough, like Val Venus and Ken Shamrock were doing a good job. And I just, I just don't know what wasn't working for me. I feel like it was just maybe the pacing of the match because they're two bigger dudes who I don't think are built for like these long banger matches. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, at least we're not without like not without some kind of stipulation. I, absolutely. Either a stipulation or I mean, not that the story was I mean, uh, or like more layers to the story. So maybe they could have done some character work to justify mm-hmm. it being that long. Right. But like none of that was happening. And you even had Billy Gunn in there who does have a lot of personality. And, and yeah. he, like you said, he wasn't adding near as much as you think, as you would think he would. It was Not almost just a normal end. match. Like they would bicker like for like five seconds and then go back to like the normal match. And I was like, you could have just had like a normal referee for that. If you weren't going to use Billy Gunn more, like he yeah. is charismatic. He was, he oh, was yeah. God, was it Billy ass or ass man? Oh yeah. And I don't he's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I hope that doesn't get us an explicit label, but oh, oh. <laughs> like, you never know. <laughs> the FCC won't let us be. And but, uh, <laughs> no, but you're right. Like Billy Gunn doesn't, he doesn't factor in until like when he kind of screws over Ken mm-hmm. by doing that. Like, Oh, my shoulder hurts. Sorry. I can't do the third count. But like, that's not till towards the end. And of course, after Val wins, Mm-hmm. Billy starts to beat up on him, which is like, okay, why weren't you doing that sooner? You're the ref. You can call it whenever you want. It's weird. I, I was confused by that because I was like, I feel like, and it's a weird dynamic because you have Ken Shamrock, who's the better wrestler, and then you have Val Venus, who's the better character, and neither were quite utilized to their strengths as much as they should have been. Yeah. That like, that's I mean, that's all I have to say about this match. It they did their best, but I don't think it fully worked on that level for me. That I can agree to that. I mean, and like yeah. I said, I think it's a situation of if it's about maybe at the most five, but at least two or three minutes shorter yeah. up to five minutes shorter mm-hmm. would have been just fine. Cause then Val could have just hammed it up as a villain. Mm-hmm. Ken could have just beaten the crap out of him, and everyone would have gone home happy. Yeah. That's, that would have been nice, but I mean, it, it, is it is what, what it, it is. is. You do your mm-hmm. best and not everything's going to work. We say that as artists. So <laughs> and especially when you're doing things live, when you mm-hmm. can't stop and do it again. Yeah. So. That, that's so hard. Like thinking about that, like that is insanely hard to try and get everything exactly right while you have no do overs. Exactly. So, but I do want to get to the next match because yes, we have two members of the corporation keep forgetting Kane was a part of it, but I guess that made sense because Vince wanted a way to counter Taker. Mm. And uh, so you have China and Kane oh, versus DX. China. I know. Uh, which uh, which is Triple H and X-Pac. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Austin before we recorded, 
I got reminded why Kane scared me as a child. Kane is one of the best parts of this match. And it, it was what, a year after he debuted? Two years after he debuted? Something two. Like I think it was two. And he just consistently looked like a force to be reckoned with through all of this. Like, I mean, he's beat. This was before Triple H became the Triple H that we know and love, but he just was destroying them. And oh, yeah. Well, and the crazy thing about the match, too, was that, like, he was really like he was this big monster, but China actually worked really well with him. Right? Like I, I thought because she she is an athlete, dude. Like she is a, an absolute athlete. And bless her heart, you know, we aren't rest in peace, but she mm-hmm. man oh man, like she was in the shape of her life. And oh, yeah. she did not look small compared to Kane. And that's a Which total compliment because she was the fittest you could have probably imagined being. Like, I wish I could be that fit. And she just <laughs> right. pulled it off. And the the interesting thing about like how China was portrayed, again, I have mixed feelings about it, but <laughs> I there was a respect and a desire to use her to her full potential throughout her time with the company that comes across to me. They knew what they had and they didn't exactly waste her. So right. when I'm watching the matches, I'm like, there's this respect where they would treat her. And I think they've even said it like they'd have Jerry Lawler, which of course they'd use Jerry Lawler to do it. They'd have him be like, you want to be treating like a man? You're going to get treated like a man. (laughs) Yeah. It's just so like they would put her out there and she was completely confident in her role. She would wrestle all these other big dudes who, and she would just throw, she would keep up with them. And it was just shocked a lot of people because like, again, we were talking earlier about how women weren't really used that much, but China was absolutely an exception to the rule. She helped more than held her own. And especially cause you just had a built in storyline where the, her and triple H had broken up. I think for real as well. Right. I think it might've been a little while after this. Okay. Well, the kayfabe wise, they had just broken up and mm-hmm. triple H was playing the heelish, like, Oh, well, you know, maybe you weren't such a heartless, you know, SOB and blah, 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 you know, doing all the things to get you to boom. And X-Pac, of course, was being obnoxious because he's really good at that. Like in a complimentary way, he's really good at that. Right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I forgot the whole gimmick of Vince being like, because like, like you said, Kane's a force of nature. So I was like, why would Kane work with the corporation? Because Vince was threatening to basically have him committed. If he didn't do what he said. And he's like, fine. So (laughs) he put him in there. And it's just so funny because it's like China and Kane who are like absolute beasts. Like I wouldn't fight either of them, especially not in their prime. Like when they're here. And then you had Triple H and X-Pac not making fun of him. It's just X-Pac is not a big person. You had everyone who was like between six, three to seven foot. And then X-Pac, who is closer to our size. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he, and just, he did fine. I, it's just so funny. <laughs> oh, because he's, he's a phenomenal worker. He can bump really well. And that's mm-hmm. what he was there for. And, yeah, it's just. It was just crazy, too. Because every time, like like you said, Kane would come in. just And he even would tell China, like, hey, stay there. I'll take care. And just, just go beat the tar out of both of them. Mm-hmm. And. Then they would like do a move to him. He'd get back up immediately, raise back up. 
They would do another move to him. He immediately raised back up. I'm just like, oh, this is scary. And I'm a grown man. Kane deserved more world titles. What am I saying? <laughs> Kane deserved more world titles than he got. Meow now brown cow. Okay. <laughs> he deserved way more titles than he got. And it, but it also shows like how much respect they just had for him at the time and how much they were willing to utilize him and just trust on him. Because the thing with Kane is I can't think of many instances where Kane like legitimately hurt somebody. I, I might be wrong, but sure, there's been a- an accident here or there, but I don't think I've ever heard of him doing anything serious. But the other thing is, of course, they're going to respect the guy. He survived being Isaac Yankum. Right. And fake diesel. Let's let's not ignore yeah. this. So, I, <laughs> yeah, like he, he survived two terrible gimmicks. So it's like he earned what he was getting. Right. He, I I think that they're like, okay, well, plus he's seven feet tall. It's like, are you not gonna use him? Like <laughs> especially once diesel legit left, it's like you need another seven foot monster. So like, uh, perfect. Can't. But uh exactly. And and China did get her licks into of course mm-hmm. had that big moment where she got to beat up on triple h mm-hmm. and like i said it was just but but who was I, the good guy here like l- let's talk about thing. this that's because, attitude error in it yeah go ahead. when they had him when they had triple h come out and he's just like it's borderline misogynist which is the point like it's not like it was just like these are our heroes worship them it's just like he was calling her all these kinds all of names of, and all mm-hmm. sorts of names, which like you don't call people that like you just don't call people. And the crowd was going nuts for it. And I was like, I'm so confused. I'm so like, who, who's what here? Are we cheering for the bad guys or is the corporation, the good guys while also being the bad guys? Cause they're holding back stone cold Steve Austin. I don't know. Yeah. And that honestly is the attitude era. And I'm not, and that's not an insult. That's just what it was. Right, and it's the product of its time. Yeah, and well, the other thing too is I think the way it worked is people hated Vince, mm-hmm. and by design, because, geez, that man was a it's a heat magnet when he's in character, and right. and in real life at that time. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> um, but as a situation of like the corporation, same with like the ministry of like they had gotten so both factions had gotten so big. That like you could boo one part of it while cheering another part of it, which is weird, but I that's the only way I can justify it because like people cheer would cheer for China while still booing Vince, right? It's complicated, but handled in a way that I think they kind of told us they would because like if I remember correctly, Vince like did this whole promo where he's like where WWE has an attitude now. And he's like, where everything is not except not necessarily black and white, but a little gray. And it, it makes sense, but also it just confuses the hell out of me. No, <laughs> Whenever I, watch. I will say like with China and Kane of the corporation, they're the two sympathetic ones. Like right. said, Kane literally is blackmailed into being part of the corporation. And China's just Vince is like, Hey, DX kicked you to the curb. I can make your career skyrocket. So she's yeah. kind of doing like a deal with the devil sort of thing. Yeah, it, it it all makes sense. And and when you explain it that way, but it's just so weird because you're like, what is what? Like you're you're telling us there's like a gray morality, but without like the subtlety that a lot of that 
kind of discussion on the topic requires. Yeah. But it works. Like Attack on Titan is a great example of like everything is pretty gray and the people you thought were heroes aren't always the heroes that you think they are. And I'm saying that without spoilers. That's the best way. Like if they're almost done with the the series. So I I really want to talk about it, but (laughs) like this is Mm -hmm. a good example of like you're showing that things are not necessarily black and white, but in a way that like, it's hard to do that with professional wrestling, which requires so much emotional investment in one or the other sometimes. Yeah. And, and yeah, and to that point, I think it's just that because I know they've had, because in the years before, it's like, we'll say like the mid nineties, mm-hmm. they had so much, like, there was so much hit and miss with them. Like being like, this is who you should cheer for. And everyone would boo them. This is yeah. who you should boo. And everyone would cheer them. So I almost feel like it was also Vince just throwing his hands in the air going fine. We're just going to have him play characters and you're going to either like them or you don't yeah. whatever. And it worked to his credit. That actually was the right call. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually had fun with this match. It was it's always fun to watch Kane. Kane kind of underrated for me because when he is utilized well, it is a joy to watch. And oh yeah. Poor China. We we really do miss China and I think yeah. we should at some point talk about what, you know, her legacy should be in like Hall of Fame. Again, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. It's too much to talk about now. And yeah. with her and all that, like it was cool to see them get the win. Uh, oh yeah, it, it was cool, but like at the same time, I was, you know, again, I was just like, oh, dude, I don't know who to root for. This is so weird. Exactly, because like, <laughs> you're like, they won, yay! But that doesn't that mean Vince wins, right? Like Vince wins, and like DX is kind of like they're kind of heelish, but also people are cheering mm-hmm. for them, and like my brain is just like, boom, yeah, like making a little yeah. boom noise. <laughs> yeah, you, you get the blue screen four hundred four error, right? <laughs> you, you don't get the you don't get the joy of context in this. And it's kind of fine because wrestling is just fun to watch. And that's just like my only gripe with like this entire structure is that like, what do Yeah, (laughs) no, it's true. And, but, but this is one of my favorite parts of this entire pay-per-view and it's mankind versus the rock who, Oh, I love it so much. I, like, I, it, I did not like the match from a technical standpoint, but that's not the point. And I was a little worried going into this match because I saw it was a last man standing match between Mankind and The Rock. I know. I had that thought too. Which, number one, does not in- indicate technical ability. Both men have openly stated that, and that's fine because that's not always what makes something good. But... It's not going to be a technical match. We've already had a hardcore match, so I I was worried that it was kind of going to devolve into the whole violence thing, and I was just going to become numb to it. And then The Rock started talking. <laughs> and that, for me, made this match so much more memorable than I originally thought it was going to be. Because oh. The Rock has so much charisma just pouring out of his face that <laughs> it's hard well, not to be invested. And he part of me feels like it would have been more impactful for the live audience, especially if he had actually gotten a live mic and then talked into that. But he's, he beat up mankind for a little bit and like clubbed him and clobbered him. I don't even remember a lot of the moves. I just remember he sat down at the announcer's table and just started talking smack and talking about how like mankind was something that got chewed up, spit out and then pooped out through like his mom or something, something way funnier than what I just said. But (laughs) 
I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so invested now. <laughs> like, I love when when villains do this, and The Rock is the best at it. I sure. was invested from that point forward, and he just kept doing it. Like, he would just continuously talk smack. And I think it did. He get a mic at any point after that? I can't remember. I don't remember off the top of my head right now. But I didn't like. I mean, geez, just the because <laughs> they showed that thing from like uh, Sunday Night Heat, which I'm now remembering because when they talked about it so much. Mm-hmm. that Sunday night heat was basically like what the pre-show is now. Yeah. So for people that say like the pre-show is this new thing, it's like, no, they've done it for decades. Calm yourself. Um, but when they showed the, the mankind trying to do like almost like a Rocky type thing with like Bob Backlund and the iron Sheik, and the rock just comes in, just like clobbers his leg. <laughs> and like, they're about to get involved. Like, Hey, you two stand down, old man, you too. And it's just like, the rock does what he wants. <laughs> and I was like, I love you. <laughs> he, you know, I, I, I have my, my feelings about certain parts of the rocks character and how like some of his matches, but I have infinite respect for the man because of what he's managed to accomplish. And just the, the pure charisma, if, if anything, the pure charisma that he elicits off of very little. And it makes complete sense, like sense to me that he's been a main event person for as long as he has. And watching, cause he's had a long career facing Mick Foley. Like he and Mick Foley had oh, some, yeah. some great stuff together. But, you know, it started with the Survivor Series match where Rock turned heel, became a villain and like turned on him. And Mankind was like, I think they're talking about like him getting a haircut and how he like tried to like put on the suit and become a company man, which is funny because I actually was wondering why he was wearing a suit. So (laughs) it it makes sense now. So (laughs) when I was watching that and they had that last man standing match where they knocked out Mick Foley. uh, Not last man standing an I quit match and they knocked him out and then they played a recording of him saying I quit from like when he was announcing the match and they like heavily edited it. And I just, I have that image of like the rock, like standing over him and then like shoving the mic into his face while he's laying down unconscious and then playing. It's just, it's so wild. And then the match with where stone cold interfered and the loudest pop (sighs) ever. Oh my gosh. It shook my house and I was watching it from home. So (laughs) that like just shows how absolutely to the moon popular he was at the time. So we're looking at this match. It goes to a draw because mankind is currently the champion and it runs to a draw because neither of them can win. They just beat the tar out of each other. The rock talks smack like the rock does, which is always a treat. And then it's just like, it kind of ends in a draw and they just, you know, they put on a clinic of just beating the tar out of each other. But it was memorable specifically because The Rock was just so good at what he does that he was able to elevate something that could have been kind of a mind number. And then it became great. He took what would have been like a normal match between, you know, like between like two big storyline matches and they made it stand out. And I can respect that. Yeah. I mean, last man standing matches kind of have a like I me personally, I prefer an I quit match because it has that air of this could end at any moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, especially if you do like, you know, when Cena looked like he's about to murder JBL, so you just start screaming, I quit to just make the match end. And, uh, that's a gnarly like, match. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but, um, but last man standing match runs into an issue of like, well, like Iron Man matches run into where you're just like, okay, I'll tune in in like 20 minutes. And, but to your point of the rock, made it and mankind did too. Cause obviously it takes two. You need both sides doing well. 
And just like you said, the rock peppered it in with insults and just snide remarks. Right. And, just, uh, just being the rock and doing, <laughs> utilizing his strengths to the best of his ability. And I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. If anyone today, cause like I said, it's one of those things that starts to make me feel old when people forget the rocks like wrestling career. And it's just like, if you're wondering why he's such a big deal in Hollywood now, go watch a match like this and you'll know why he so was able to just transition into acting and becoming a big Hollywood star. He just had literally more charisma. I think he had a promo about this once. Camera who he was making fun of that he has more charisma in his pinky than people do in their entire bodies. He's not entirely wrong. It's not an inaccurate statement. <laughs> like there's a reason he is chosen so much to be like, I mean, they called him franchise Viagra for a long time because of like, you know, the fast and the furious and all these other movie, like all these other yeah. movie franchises that he essentially just injected life into. Cause when you see the rock, like a lot of people are like, well, I'm probably going to watch that because I love watching the rock. Yeah. This I mean, is a great example of just exactly where he was coming from. Cause when he, this was when he was starting to really, really come into his own. Oh yeah, absolutely. And just mankind is just such a good, I mean, they always uh, bill him as the man who can't feel pain because he just always get, no matter what you do to him, he gets back up and it's Mm -hmm. borderline disturbing sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's, it is his strength though. Again. Yeah, it is. But still only the second scariest character that he plays because if you hear the term Cactus Jack. Oh my gosh, don't even start. Run. <laughs> that man is terrifying. Like, I think I, I watched a video the other day that like encapsulated how I felt about Cactus Jack. He's almost like Finn Balor's Demon King, where it's like, it doesn't come around often, but when you do, this is, it's serious. Like, it's serious yeah. business. And oh, yeah. we'll talk about his match with Triple H where they had a street fight and it was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life at Royal Rumble 2000. <laughs> or heck, when when uh, Randy Orton was doing his legend killer thing mm-hmm. and Mick Foley goes, all right, fine. You want to fight me at my best? You're about to fight Cactus Jack in a hardcore match. Oh, <laughs> that is such a good match. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm not even going to lie. That, that is a great, great, great match. And we'll get to that another time. But again... This is a good in-between match, better than I expected it to be. And, I mean, with the talent involved, it's hard to really go wrong unless, you know, absolutely something went wrong. But enjoyable. 22 minutes. Yeah. Kind of flew by a little bit more quickly than I expected it to. Not bad. And absolutely. Here we come to the main event of the evening, one that we've kind of clarified the story on beforehand. So I'm not going to go too deep into it. But like you said, no corporation, just... Vince McMahon and Steve Austin, just guys being dudes in a steel cage, (laughs) which this was before they really knew what a steel cage as a sturdy thing would look like. I think. Oh, fun, fun fact about that. This is the match where the cage as we know it now. It's because of this match. The modern day cage came to be because wrestlers for years going back to like Hulk Hogan, were telling Vince like, dude, that cage sucks. You need to get a new one. And it's like, ah, oh, it's fine. After he got his head banged on it and felt, I mean, and all that, he's like, dang, we need a new cage. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes more, and it's just safer too. Like it, 
it's more sturdy. It's easy to carry around. And like with this cage, I was like, oh, it's so primitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's by design because they didn't have as many cage matches back then. So not a critique. Yeah, it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, because a cage match back then was like, if a, if you got to the point that a cage had to be brought in, you were telling the audience, this ends here. Yeah. It, it's an actual, like not how Hell in a Cell is nowadays where it's like in between. You know, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Kind of in a weird way, but it, you know, the thing about this match is that it's not really a match. No, and I know I mentioned well, that before, but I I do mean it because it's only listed as being like just shy of eight minutes long. It's longer than that, and but the thi- like the actual storyline itself runs far longer than that. Because oh, yeah. they don't blow the whistle until 15 minutes into them just beating each other up, which is hilarious. And oh, yeah. well, beating each other up as in Steve Austin just delivering a can of whoop ass. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to use that because I can't say whoop, but it just oh, sounds stupid. No, no, so, no. <laughs> You're allowed. It's, it's Steve Austin. <laughs> it's Steve Austin. It, it's different rules. So he just demolishes him, and the crowd just is going bananas because number one, they love Steve Austin. Number two, I'm sure a lot of people would love to beat up their evil, horrible bosses if you have one. If you do, I'm sorry. So it's well, probably cathartic for a lot of people. <laughs> Jerry Lawler, I think I can't remember if it was Jerry or boy band looking Michael Cole. I say that because it's the way he looks like. I just every time I see him from this era, I just think of the frosted tips that he would have a couple of years later, and it makes me laugh. But um, even the thing Lawler says, "How many drunk rednecks think they want to beat up their boss? We're actually going to let him do it." Yeah, like, yeah that, that's the storyline right there. <laughs> and it sold and it made him, you know, obviously like, you know, Steve Austin was never the best technical wrestler, but he is one of the single best brawlers in WWE history, in my opinion. Oh yeah, He perfectly captured the attitude that was required of that style of wrestling. And it was so good that like his character and his story work and his mic work. Oh, my gosh. We're yeah. top tier for a reason. And I just oh, it's it was so much fun to watch. Like at a certain point, like you kind of just lose track of time because it's just like him punching and like putting Mr. McMahon through tables and just destroying him to the point that he had to be carried out on a stretcher with a neck brace. I love the neck brace touch. It's so funny. I know. <laughs> they did it to the rock previously before that. And I was like, oh, man, they really needed those neck braces. I- oh, yeah. I just. I remember because well, there's a on an, an old episode of Austin's podcast. He actually talked about this match, mm-hmm. and like he put it on on silent, obviously, and like he commented on it as things were happening. He actually noted that when Vince came out looking just jacked to the gills, like Austin, like he while he was standing there, he was just like that SOP's buffer than I am, which he was, <laughs> and that says a lot because Steve Austin was not a small man. It's just Vince, no. Mc, like Vince McMahon, is just built different. <laughs> for better or worse Vince McMahon is built different and, and he's buffer in his 70s than most people I have ever met in the entire course of their life that yeah. says a lot because Vince this, McMahon is a tank this is a man who got into a workout contest with Mark Henry and they both it like ended in a draw I cannot imagine and I know I think it was Mark Henry's talking about that and he was like dude I'm tired I want to go home but I couldn't stop because he's my boss <laughs> <laughs> and he was like forced to work out for like another hour or two because Vince is like, come on, Mark, like work out with me. And it's like, 
whose CEO looks like? I can't imagine anyone except for maybe Triple H as the CEO of WWE simply because they're just like, look at the way they're built, bro. (laughs) I know. And just, but the other thing about this match and Austin, remember when Austin interviewed Vince, they talked about this. There's that moment they're climbing, they're on the side of the cage Mm -hmm. and they start hitting each other. And of course it's a common spot we see nowadays when there's a cage, especially a hell in a cell. Yeah. Back then it wasn't that often. Um, where Vince gets hit and he falls back onto the announcer's table. The announcer's table does break, but fun fact, he actually hit the edge of it square on his spine. Yeah, it looked bad. Yeah. I think that was the, a lot of people said that's the spot where Vince was like, we need new cages. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, he was like, okay, I'm not going to make you guys do this. (laughs) Which, and I always love when you see him just this crazy stuff happening to him because you're just like, Vince literally is the kind of boss where someone's like, what? Because it's not like you would do that. Vince is like, yes, I would. Yeah. And well, you know, the thing with Vince is that like not many bosses would be willing to do something like that, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that he actually was willing to pull the trigger on being in a match. Though apparently he always wanted to be as a kid. And his dad just said no. So yeah. For him, this is, this is a big deal for him. It's probably why Vince McMahon will never die. he will just live forever just sucking the muscles out of every future wrestler like a muscle vampire just growing younger with age (laughs) i can 100 believe that but um oh gosh this is uh this is not a technical match this is a literal fight that avoids the pitfalls of all the other matches before it where it just becomes like knockdown drag out violence simply because it's almost entirely one-sided (laughs) <laughs> and, it's, and it's super cathartic because at this point for months, Vince has been terrorizing Stone Cold. Like we said earlier, like you mentioned earlier, Austin, like he screwed over Austin at the Rumble. He screwed over Austin. The, like literally there was a match. This might have been, this might have been, no, this happened, I think a year ago where Vince literally had Austin fight Kane and Undertaker at the same time. Be like, surely those two guys will kill him. And, <laughs> they almost and, did, uh, from my recollection. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Vince has been making Stone Cold's life just hell. And after the Rumble, Vince put this stipulation on Stone Cold saying, if you lay a finger on me before our match, you forfeit your number one contendership for the championship at WrestleMania. And the whole time Vince was trying to like egg Austin, getting him mad, slap him in the face, spit on him. And you could see it. Like, and the thing I love about Austin's character is in his eyes, you see a madman, but you tell he's holding it back mm-hmm. and he let it all out in this match. And that's why the crowd was going nuts. And that's why I'm glad it was so one-sided because for probably like what, two months, Vince was playing up just being this, the worst person ever to Austin. Yeah. And, well, that and the whole rumble thing too, that was like the big catalyst is just kind of made this so cathartic for the entire audience. Cause there's not much to note in this match besides like Steve Austin beats up Vince. Yes. Well that and Vince's defiance when Austin just beat the crap out of him yeah. and Austin's about to walk out of the cage and win and Vince just flips him off. Oh, and he's like, he thinks about it and he's like, I shouldn't, but I'm definitely going to. Oh, I loved it too. He looked around the crowd going, did he just flip me off? Like, are you, are you seeing this? Are you? (laughs) And then he just jumps back in and just proceeds to beat the tar out of him. And then the moment that I kind of want to finish this match on (laughs) 
you know you know exactly what I'm gonna go to. First of all, yep. not a bad debut. No. I actually think that it was done quite well, but I do think it's hilarious that in my opinion, I think they should have just been like, who is this? What is he doing here? This absolute beast, this absolute madman. But instead we got, oh no, it's Paul White. Yeah. For many of you who don't know is Big Show, who Big Show has had quite a career. I, I know a lot of people joke about him being, uh, he turns more than a, <laughs> he turns more than a dreidel. I think is what someone told me is like, he spins, he turns good and bad more than like a spinning top, which yeah, pretty, pretty sure. close to accurate, but <laughs> he debuted and he just started beating the crap out of Austin, which you didn't see a whole lot. Like he, you know, they're going back and forth and he was throwing him around and this match ended like we all knew that Austin was probably going to pull off the victory, but this was a little twist where you're like, Oh wait, like what's going to happen here? Maybe. Yeah. And Paul, Paul white, big show throws him so hard into the, the fence that Steve catches onto it. The gate swings open and then he just drops to the floor and wins. Oh, it's corny. And I love it. It's, it's wrestling. It's chef's kiss art. <laughs> <laughs> it was Poetic beauty because you're like, oh, well, he's not part of the corporation, so he can beat you up. And that little twist where you're like, ah, okay, I see you, Mr. McMahon, you you yeah. devilish bastard. And <laughs> Vince is a bastard Wait. man. And <laughs> just that little that catharsis for everyone because you're like, oh, now we know where WrestleMania is going. Like, it's probably going to be Steve Austin versus The Rock. We'll we'll see how you know that all spins around. Oh yeah, so just, good. Oh, it's great, and it's just. To your point, because we were talking about that, we we talked about it uh, before we recorded. Of, you know, obviously they didn't want to call him the giant because they didn't want to potentially get in the. If if you think the music industry is petty, different wrestling companies can be equally as petty when it comes to using names. So they're more openly petty. The thing about a lot of other industries <laughs> is that they're they're petty on a on a legal level. <laughs> yeah, but so they probably didn't want to just call him the giant, even though mm. I doubt you can trademark the word giant, but they didn't want to risk it. Right. So, and of course, they definitely don't want to acknowledge WCW. Well, I think that was it. I, I think that was the only reason is they wanted him to start off like with a fresh slate, like a clean slate for him to start on. And I, I, I get that. Fine. No, no. And that's fantastic. But like we were saying, it should have just have, like you're saying, have him be like, who is this massive individual? Look how he dwarfs. Look how Steve Austin just is dwarfed compared to him. Like there's so many other ways to allude that he's a giant without calling him that. Yeah. And just calling him by his legit name. Oh no, it's Paul. (laughs) No offense to all you Pauls out there. I have many Paul friends. I just say it's just so funny because he's like seven feet tall and they're like, it's Paul. (laughs) Yeah. It reminds me of like that. I remember that family guy joke when it's just like, like you see this like giant person, his name is Keith and they're like, Oh, (laughs) like Keith Lee (laughs) where they have like a super normal name. (laughs) Yeah. You're just like, well, like like there's a part of your brain that goes, that doesn't sound right. And, um, but it's just, like I said, it's weird too. Cause like they, for instance, like when Kane debuted, they -hmm. didn't obviously, well, of course they nearly called him Kane, but they're like, look at the size of him. He's as tall as Undertaker and, blah, and they could have done that with 
with Big Show. They could have just had him been like, look how gigantic he is compared to Austin and McMahon. But that nit- that little note aside, I agree with you. They handled his debut perfectly. Because one, someone the size of Undertaker coming out from under the ring is terrifying. Right. <laughs> or size of Big Show, sorry. But like, someone that, someone like a seven-footer coming just out of the ring is like, oh God. And um, it's hilarious. They use the, you know, he's too strong and he threw Austin too hard. <laughs> like putting him over also going, oopsie. Like, <laughs> yeah. And Vince's face. I will always tell people McMahon's may not be good wrestlers because none of, well, Linda's never fought, but the three that have fought and Stephanie, Shane and Vince, they're not good wrestlers, but man, can they sell and make you look like a million bucks? They will. Vince is like, yeah. I was like, because Vince's like face of just despair at the feet of Big Show is amazing. <laughs> that is probably my favorite part of the whole pay per view. It's just his <laughs> look of distraught, like all hope is lost because Steve Austin won. <laughs> yeah, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. Soon, <laughs> it was that same year. <laughs> oh, what a wild ride! I, you know, like I know a lot of people have probably covered this on their podcast. I'm still glad we did because, you know, it's not the longest pay-per-view. Like, it's probably the shortest review that we've done, clocking in at approximately uh, one hour and about nine minutes, I think. So, but there's a lot to take away from it. It's one of those ones that you can keep on in the background. And every once in a while, you'll look up and you'll just see something outlandish and insane. And you're just like, wow, that was crazy. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it it's consistent in it's an ability to just be like, yeah, this is a, this is just a wild memory of like what the attitude era was like. Oh, absolutely. And all of like, I don't know, like I said, it just, and I, and I do enjoy going back and watching this stuff from the late nineties, early, like late nineties, like mid two thousands. I kind of like love to revisit when I was a kid watching this stuff, even though I wasn't watching the pay-per-views, but just, be reminded of things of like how crazy over Austin was literally all the guy had to do is like, look at the crowd and they would go bananas. Yeah. And, Isn't it nice? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And well, it helped that, like I said, he had that look in his face of he would stun his own grandmother if he had to. And, <laughs> and people loved him for it. <laughs> yeah. Of course, between that and you had Vince McMahon, who for a man who said, who claims that he hates being in front of the camera and playing a character Knows how to play a villain really well. He's a natural at it. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you have The Rock, one of the best smack talkers ever to pick up a mic. Lovable mankind and just everything else we've covered. It's just, to your point of, like, every wrestling podcast will, of course, cover this for February because it has the word Valentine's in it. It's the only one of these that's been made so far until, <laughs> unless NXT continues on their trail of using unused pay-per-views and decide to use this one year. But, um... Uh, it was just great to like just cover this again and well not again but like do what the, all the other podcasts done cover it and just have fun of just enjoying what the the error for what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's the the best way to encapsulate this. This was the first and only Saint Valentine's Day massacre. Uh, I mean in wrestling, I should clarify. <laughs> And I think for a reason, because they're like, oh, gosh, which St. Valentine's Day? Number one, it's a long name. Number two, 
I don't think that they could market it for very long under the name St. Valentine's Day Massacre because WWE was changing. And once they started to become a publicly traded company, they're like, hey, so uh, they're like letting all their stockholders know. Yeah, guys, we're doing St. Valentine's Day Massacre this week. Yeah. <laughs> Quarter one showed that this was huge with kids. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that that was their uh, their best call for it in the end. But it's a fun piece of the past that I think you can go back to and get something out of every time you watch it. And in conclusion, I had a good time watching this. It's not my favorite pay-per-view by any means, but there's a lot to take away and some interesting things to watch for. And Stone Cold Steve Austin's the best. He, the man simply does not miss when it comes to the character that he portrayed on TV. And I have a lot of respect for that. I mean, if you're interested in watching this, it's worth a watch. I wouldn't, go out of your way and put it on the top of your list. Like I need to watch this right now, but every Valentine's day or around that time this month, which is why we did it in February. We, yeah. it, it's, it's fun. It's worth a watch. And if you haven't seen it yet, why not? That's what I have to say. Yeah. yeah and especially cause uh, on the network, they have the whole thing where they chronicle like the feud between Vince and stone cold. So I would suggest if you don't, if you're really not interested in watching the other stuff, which is fine. Uh, Definitely watch that stuff so you can see all the buildup so you understand why what Austin did to McMahon was so cathartic for literally everyone. Mm -hmm. But you need to see the buildup to understand like this was not a slow burn because obviously this all happened within like a year and a half. Well, that is a slow burn. But like I'm just saying like just look that up so that way you can understand like I would say the last three matches with the corporation and DX, Mankind Rock, Stone Cold, and McMahon. I'd say watch those three for sure. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to watch one, watch Steve Austin and McMahon and watch some of the buildup to it beforehand so you understand why, even though it's not good from a technical standpoint, it's phenomenal from a storytelling standpoint. Absolutely. The the video packages, which WWE is insanely good at video packages and like video hype, I, I can't think of any that I didn't particularly like because most of them are so good. So mm-hmm. take advantage of that, especially if you have the network, which, by the way, for any of you who don't know, especially if you're one of our American fans, uh, the WWE network is moving over to Peacock. So keep an eye out for that. I think it should automatically switch you over. It's the same per month. I think it's nine ninety nine a month. Plus, you get all that stuff on Peacock, which they have some pretty interesting movies on there. A lot of universal movies and like, you know, a good mix. So you get the movies and then you also get everything that comes with the WWE network. I am not paid by Peacock to say that. I'm literally just throwing it out there as a personal opinion. So, And also, it's just a good FYI. So in case you're like, wait, mm-hmm. I thought I paid for WWE. What's all this other stuff? I, well, now you know. Yeah, I know it's been in the news, but I'm just doing my part to you know make sure you know that. If you're outside of the U.S., nothing's going to change. So <laughs> keep that in mind. But either way, we are everywhere, guys. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Breaker. We are everywhere. You cannot hide from us. Uh, please keep reaching out to us. Let us know what you want to hear on the podcast next. If you have any ideas that maybe you want to cover or something that we missed, please let us know. We always love talking to you guys about these things. But once again, I'm Austin Cook. And I am Caleb McLemore. We are the Internet World Order, and we will see you guys soon. See you guys.